Welcome to Boston's Best of Metro West podcast, where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in the Metro West area of Massachusetts to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they rose above the inevitable challenges they faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of Boston's Best of Metro West podcast. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in the Metro West area of Massachusetts. My guest on today's podcast is Justin Beat. Justin and his wife, Jenna, own the Wright Jewelry and Design Company. They are a full-service jeweler located in the heart of downtown Hudson on Main Street and purchased the company from the Dinner family this past January. After a few weeks of renovations, they were open for four weeks before having to close down due to COVID. Justin has been in this business since a very young age, working at a jewelry store his family owned. In this episode, we talk in-depth about what it really means to work with a personal jeweler versus a big box company. They put a big emphasis on the personal relationships and customer service. This location has been there since 1954 and has the character of an old school building with the custom design technology and innovation of the modern day era. We also talk about how Justin and Jenna have pivoted during COVID, like curbside pickups and showcasing jewelry over video technology. They explain how they've been able to market themselves on social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram, and how creating an unforgettable experience to their customers is the ultimate key to running a successful long-term business. And be sure to listen to the end, as Justin shares what he sees for the future of the right jewelry and design company, and how he defines success in any given year. And so, with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best of Metro West. This week, I have Justin Beat. Justin and his wife, Jenna, are the owners of the Wright Jewelry and Design Company. Justin, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, man. You know, when you good ask to be people, here, Mark. Absolutely. When you ask people that question these days, it's much more of a loaded question than, uh, it, is. Than it, it used is. to be. But uh, things going on with everyone these days. Yeah. We won't get into that so early on in, the, in this episode. You know, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jenna. Where did you guys grow up? So uh, I uh, grew up on the North Shore up in Newburyport, and uh, my family had a jewelry store uh, when I was growing up that I started work at a young age and grew into a love for the business. Um, my wife grew up in Watertown, started in the business about 10 years ago. We both just have a real love for, you know, what we do and helping people, you know, kind of cement their relationships. Very happy business that we're in. So it's, uh, yeah, we both really enjoy it. And Hudson has kind of been a wonderful community to get involved in, you know, for many reasons, but it's very tightly knit community. Everybody seems to look out for each other and help each other in the, in the world of business and also just the, you know, general population around here. You know, they're very supportive of small business and, and buying local and, but also want quality at the same time. And that's kind of where we come in. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, that, yeah. And I left that out. So I'm happy that you said you, you guys are in Hudson. Has the location been in Hudson the entire time? Yeah. So, uh, interestingly enough, the, Right Jewelry, when we bought the company back in January, uh, it was called Right Jewelry Incorporated. Uh, right Jewelry started in Framingham in 1928 and then moved to Hudson uh, in 1949 uh, after the business was purchased by a family with the last name of Dinner. And Mr. Dinner bought the business back in 1949. Uh, and it was actually across the street from where we are now. Unfortunately, the building went up in flames in 1953. And then they bought the building that we're currently in and did the build out in 1954. And that's where this store has been ever since. So it's pretty cool. It's got a lot of history. It's the oldest wooden 
uh, building in the town. So nice. <clears throat> there's not a floor or, or a beam that's straight in the place. And it's got <laughs> a lot of character. And so uh, my wife, Jenna, and I took over the store um, January 31st and kind of got in here, renovated till February 18th. We opened that day and then unfortunately had to close down March 23rd for COVID. And uh, so we were open for four weeks. But during that four weeks, we had a really good response. Uh, did like a, a somewhat of a facelift on the store, and updated it in different ways and brought in a lot of new inventory. And so it was well received by the community, which is great. And, uh, and then we bring a few other things to the table, which I'm sure we can get into uh, in terms of jewelry and design and, and what we bring to the table. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you brought it up. So you guys were open for four weeks and then you had a you had to shut it down. Ideal timing. <laughs> yeah, seriously, especially for a business where people need to come into the, the store to, to see product and to try on sizes and see how it looks. Exactly. Very much a hands-on, hands-on yeah, type business. We did everything that we, you know, had to in order to kind of survive the storm. And, you know, we delivered to people's homes. Oh, met people with contactless delivery. We delivered curbside. Most of the month of April, we definitely stayed home and avoided. But once May came around, we, we started to, you know, obviously being very careful, go about trying to generate some business and help people that were still looking to get things done. And we even did a few engagement rings over that uh, period of time. And the gentleman, you know, that we helped and, and also a lady, you know, were able to just do everything through Skype and you know, kind of figure out how to put it all together and show them everything. And, uh, and engagement still happened even during a pandemic. So, yeah, it's it's good when you see that kind of stuff happen in such a dull era in our, you know, history. So, 100%. I mean, this there was so many, there's so many negative things. I mean, I even turn off the news, to be honest with you, a lot of the times. It's just you turn it on and you're just instantly depressed within like yeah. 30 seconds or upset or oh. angry at something. Yeah. So. Being in your industry, you see a lot of happy days. So it's it's good to see that there was at least something like that going on during a pandemic. And that's an interesting one of my questions was going to be how did how were you able to pivot during COVID? So you said you guys did some curbside deliveries, contactless, obviously. You were able to showcase things through Skype or Zoom or video conferencing like that. Yep. Um, we were able to do that and then ship out. You know, thankfully the post office was still open. Yeah. Uh, so we could get in there and still be able to ship packages. You know, some elderly people needed some help in different ways. And and I honestly, you know, uh, a few times went to their homes and, you know, took care of whatever they needed to, whether it was taking in a repair. I, I, one lady needed a ring cut off. Uh, we ended up doing that for her because uh, she was having some swelling in her hands. We were that town jeweler and that's kind of really what we want to be. Even going forward, I think that, that was a good test for us to just be like, you know, showing ourselves as being very devoted to this community and, and surrounding communities and, and being that local jeweler kind of, of of yesteryear that you don't really see anymore and, and that level of customer service that, you know, is pretty hard to find. That's really what we wanted this store to be from the beginning. Just during a pandemic, I think we were able to amp it up even a little bit more and, and just being there for people. And it was it was appreciated and, and it also felt good to do. It's not as much as a, you know, a medical visit or something like that, but there, there are certain needs that, uh, that people have. And, you know, when a ring needs to be cut off something like that, we can, that's, that's important that we got to be able to do that for people. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How is, uh, you, you mentioned a lot about local community and support. And I think the more and more I've done this, you know, I thought of this podcast idea before COVID happened. I thought of it in January, you know, as we discussed 
the initial plan was to do a lot of things in person as it's happened. I've basically done everything over zoom. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed is everyone, as far as the local community goes, the support has been unbelievable. And I think people really tend to gravitate towards supporting local when, especially when something like this, something like this happens, people come out. You've seen that you've said. Yeah. People come out. I mean, we were able to reopen in phase two, which was June 8th. And it, it has gone really, really well for us. A lot of people have come out, whether they, you know, needed their watch battery because they, every time they look at their watch, it's been dead. You know, it could be something as little as that to an engagement ring to, uh, we do a lot of custom design. That's, that's one of our real specialties. And so there were people still looking to do those things and still celebrating different things. And the, all the graduations, all the parties had to be canceled, but, you know, gifts and those type of things still happen. Um, and we do a lot of giftware that is personalized. So, you know, we, we did pretty well in that department, confirmations, you know, communions, things like that. Those things were even put on hold. So part of our season this year was a little bit affected just by not having that graduation traffic quite as much as we normally could have or, or the religious uh, the religious season. So everything else kind of worked out well and uh, we held our own, thankfully. You know, it's hard when you see these other businesses around in different ways. And, you know, I can't imagine being in the food business right now or with a bar business. And, you know, so I think on the other side of the coin, we, we've done well. But we've also tried to remain thankful and grateful that we have had business coming through the door because there's plenty of businesses that aren't at the moment and they're struggling and they're, uh, there's businesses going out. We've had a couple right here in Hudson and you don't like to see that ever, no matter who it is and, and what type of business it is. These are families and, and people that are staff and greatly affected by these things happening. So, and to no one's fault. And that's the other part. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not as if anybody didn't do their business correctly. And because of that, it was shut down. Like this is something none of us could see coming, including us. It was uh, who would have thought a month after, you know, us opening, we'd have to shut down. Yeah. Um, so that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it's already hard enough to open a business. You know? Yeah. Seriously. But, that's crazy. Then four weeks in, you guys have to shut down. Yeah. It's interesting to see how certain businesses, different industries have all been affected by COVID. Some businesses have actually done well. You know, some businesses have been able to like, like yourself, you had to basically take May off essentially and just put everything on pause, but at least you're able to come back. And then, you know, the restaurant industry is, yeah. I, I would pr- probably say has been the most impacted by this. Um, no, you know, because even if you can have outdoor patio sections, it doesn't make up for everything on the inside. You know, there's no bar seating. Uh, you know, you can't sit. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable how different industries have been impacted in the restaurant industry. Yeah. Brutally and the pivoting that you're talking about of, of different industries is amazing. And you see the real strength behind some of these owners, you know, who were able to really change how they go about doing their business model, bringing back staff, having to lay staff off, uh, other staff not wanting to come back because they were getting an extra uh, amount of money every week. And, and, you know, I mean, there were so many factors. I just, uh, so, you know, like I said, we try to remain thankful. At the same time, we've also had the rotary in the middle of Hudson being totally redone. So that greatly affected a lot of the businesses down here on top of reopening from COVID. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been... It's been a long, long haul here the first half of the year in Hudson, but uh, it's a great town, you know, a lot of wonderful people, great businesses. It's a great town to come out and walk around. We stay open late Friday nights, so people who, you know, go out to dinner and walk the main street can stop by and, and see some jewelry. 
and perhaps uh, make a purchase. So yeah, we're out. Whereabouts in Hudson are you located? So we are uh, right in the heart of downtown. Uh, we're at 61 Main Street. So if you were in the Rotary, we're probably about 500 feet in from the Rotary. Right in the heart of town, we have uh, a big sign out front on Main Street that uh, has has been up since the 50s, and <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's a cool old vintage sign, and um, it's a it's a neat spot. Yeah, we yeah. we love it here. Great little shops around us. We have a a gourmet cheese shop next to us on one side, and a really good like bagel cafe on the other. Avidia Bank is right across the street, and Murphy Insurance. So all these really good older businesses and, and banks in town. Uh, right around kind of where we are. Okay. Yeah, it's, actually, it's a nice little spot. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I might know the location. I've only been to Hudson once, so I'm new to the Metro West. I moved to Framingham when my wife bought her place. I moved here almost two years ago, and uh, okay. and we were in Hudson a few weeks ago. We went to uh, New City Micro Creamery. Yep, absolutely. That's right near you, right? Because I, I picked yeah, up past the big Avidia Bank. I'm like, okay, he's yeah. got to be in that area. Yep, right across the street. So if you had turned around, we would have been kind of diagonal to where you were. Oh, get uh, out. New City is wonderful. That whole business, that they are the same owners as Rail Trail Flatbread, which is across the street. And then if you ever come back out to Hudson, go through that micro creamery. And in the very corner, there is a speakeasy that you can get into called Less Than Greater Than. And uh, it's this old fashioned thing. You got to flip a light. They open up this little window and say, how can we help you? And it's, you know, kind of an old fashioned secretive speakeasy. Pretty cool. And uh, yeah, they don't, they don't, uh, you know, do a ton of promo on it. They almost want it to be that kind of yeah. underground, you know, secretive. But it's a nice night out for a couple. So definitely come come check that out. But it's a great, yeah, those guys that own that place are great. And I would definitely suggest you you hit them up at some point to, to interview them because they, uh, they're doing a lot of great things. And they, I believe they're also getting a location down in Milford as well. Oh, nice. Um, nice. So, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, well, there's their low-key speakeasy is going to get blown up now on uh on this podcast. <laughs> hey, well, I'm sure they won't mind that. Yeah, I'm sure. That's funny too. Cause my wife and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we were there on a Friday night. I came across them on social media and yeah. I'm, I'm a big ice cream guy. And I said, oh, I was okay. like, hey, like, we got to try this out. So yeah. we went down there on a Friday. Had I, had I realized or connected with you just yeah. earlier, it was on a Friday. We would have been cool. able to pop in, but we'll have, yeah. to, we'll have to do that. Oh, definitely. Definitely, yeah. They're good at what they do. That's good ice cream over there. <laughs> Not easy having it across the street. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> One thing I'd love to hear how you guys have done, we've talked about uh, promoting and marketing and pivoting. How do you guys promote yourselves and market yourselves on social media? Are you pretty active on social media right now? So we're extremely active on Facebook and Instagram. Those two platforms are, are the ones that we feel are, are best tailored for our type of business, you know, and just attracting the population that we want to you know have so it's uh, facebook is a very big thing for us we've got almost a thousand followers at this point so uh we're doing pretty well considering it's only about six months old uh it's it's been wonderful for us it, it, i was even talking to my father the other day who was in the business for a long time and he is trying to grasp how you can just have all of this social media and be able to advertise and it doesn't cost you anything yeah. and you can reach people instantly you know, in the masses. And so that's that's been a big thing for us uh, to, to showcase kind of what we do with custom work too. That's been really helpful because there'll be people that, you know, see a piece go up and it might not necessarily be their taste, but they can at least see the possibilities of what we can create. And so 
that's been huge. Instagram's been good, a little bit slower to, you know, to gain the followers like Facebook, you know, certainly a, a good media for us to be using. So yeah, those two. And other than that, we really don't do an amazing amount of other social media or regular print advertising. I think we'll certainly get into different things as, you know, time goes on. Um, but social media has kind of changed the game in terms of being able to really show people what you do, put some, you know, great pictures out there, videos, new product, uh, and, and it gets people instantly. And they, you know, are supportive of that too. So those two things have been great. I think we'll get more involved in, you know, community stuff and sponsoring different things and donating and, and stuff like that. That's, that's definitely important to our future uh, and being a real part of the community. It's not just about accepting. It's also, yep. as we all know, about giving back and, and being a part of it all. So yeah, social media is, it's a game changer. I mean, everything you can, you can instantly, like you said, you can instantly connect with somebody and we'll get definitely get into it in a, in a minute or so is everything you guys do from design perspective and what kind of jewelry you guys offer. They see something, but it's not their taste, but they want to make a small tweak or they just want a different colored gem or something inside of it. Like by them visually seeing it, it's jewelry. You need to visually see it. So instead of coming into the store and making that appointment without ever seeing anything, the more they can see online, they get an idea and a taste of everything that you do offer is going to lead them to ultimately out yep. or at least come by in some capacity. So, Absolutely. Yeah. It's even helped us, you know, even booking appointments, got it set up so people can book appointments for different things right on our Facebook page. And yep. that feeds right into us. We can put them down for the appointment. And we were looking for part-time help recently. We were able to put a job application out of job out on Facebook and got great response from it. So yeah, there's so many avenues that it can be helpful for. It's an amazing thing. Uh, to be able to use for business for sure. Yeah. So. Absolutely. All right. So let's get into, let's get into the good stuff. What people really want to hear about sure. all the different types of jewelry you guys offer. Yeah. I had written a question down asking, like, do you focus on just one type of jewelry and like engagement rings, for example, or do you offer a wide range of jewelry based on what you said and the name being right jewelry and design company, you offer a whole bunch of stuff. So why don't you explain yeah. a little bit deeper about everything that you guys uh, do? Sure. So we are a uh, full-service jeweler, uh, and what that basically means is we offer, obviously, jewelry in the store. We do a lot of custom design. We do watch repair, uh, jewelry repair, restoration work, pearl stringing, engraving. We sell customizable gifts. So, for instance, we sell a lot of the Yeti type of cups in a lot of different styles and a lot of different colors, and then you can custom engrave them with whatever you want on them, whether it's a logo, somebody's picture a saying, whatever it may be. So we do a lot of those. We do laser engraving on on wooden products as well. So we can actually take like somebody's handwriting, for instance, and actually laser trace it onto wood. Um, so like, let's say you wanted a cutting board and you wanted to put your grandmother's handwritten recipe, we can actually take her handwriting, laser trace it and put it into the wood. So just some different type of products, just because with giftware, the, the jeweler of yesteryear who sold sterling frames and, and candlesticks and, you know, that kind of stuff, like millennials and, and the younger generations have zero interest in any of those things. Um, so how do you capture them? And one of those ways is with customizable gifts and things that you can make for your own self. And I think we kind of looked at life in general, whether it's your cell phone, your computer, or anything else that you buy these days, everything's customizable. You can do a lot of different things with a lot of different products. And that was one of the motivations, I think, behind the store is that 
We want people to be able to come in and purchase something right out of the case and take it with them. But if they're looking for something unique or something different, uh, we're, we're definitely going to be a good avenue for them to come in and see things. I'd say our biggest specialty is bridal and diamond engagement rings. We do a lot of different things here. In terms of that, uh, wedding bands, we carry a line called Lashbrook Designs, which is a, a men's and women's, but mostly men's wedding band company. Uh, but you can go onto their website and actually totally custom design a wedding band for yourself, uh, however you want it to be, and, and really neat materials like meteorite, and you can put dinosaur bone into things, and you can still do all the classics in gold and platinum, but you can also really get creative and, and do some neat things. So we offer um, both natural and lab-grown diamonds. So uh, there are a lot of jewelers who, who are not big fans of the lab-grown diamonds that are about in today's industry, but basically diamonds are now able to be man-made. And generally speaking, they cost about 40 to 50% less than their natural counterpart. And so what it does is it gives the ability for people who, let's say, have a certain budget, uh, but perhaps want a little bit bigger earring, but still get something of good quality, but it is man-made. And that literally is the only difference between them. They look identical. Uh, if one comes in off the street here, I cannot tell the difference as a gemologist. And so we are offering both. And it's really a decision for people to make themselves, but we are getting more and more people who are very much in favor of them and almost prefer them just because of, of the value. Uh, and so we do both lab grown and natural uh, diamond engagement rings, wedding bands. We offer fine jewelry as far as ruby, emerald, sapphire, diamond jewelry, we carry designers, sterling, we carry a couple of brands of watches. We have our own in-house brand of wristwatch called Hudson 1866. So it's actually got our own logo on the dial, a little homage to Hudson. So it's, uh, we really wanted to be that jeweler, as I kind of mentioned before, that jeweler of yesteryear that you come into, you're going to get wonderful old world customer service, but we then wanted to mix that with modern technology. Yeah. And that's where our custom design comes in. And the thing that separates us with that Pretty much any jeweler out there, you can go into and get something custom designed with CAD software. And, you know, in a, in a week or two, the, you know, the jeweler would email you photographs of what it may look like, or you may go into the store and he may just show you some photographs of what the piece may look like. We take that process and we make it live in front of someone. So we actually sit at a desk uh, in the store here uh, with a large monitor, and we actually create the jewelry with you in front of you on the screen. That's and so it allows somebody to really dictate exactly what they want something to look like. And if it is a lot of what we do is resetting old sentimental stones that people have. Yeah. Uh, and we do plenty of new pieces as well. But, you know, somebody may come in and say, I've got my aunt's ring, my grandmother's ring, and my grandfather's wedding band. And I kind of want to do something with all of them. Well, we take all of those things and we create a piece that is their taste something that is current and that they're going to wear and enjoy, but put those sentimental stones in them. Yeah. And the attachment of that is the emotional attachment is wonderful. You know, the amount of people that we just present the piece when it's done to, and they just cry because it's just, you know, they've got that emotional attachment to it, but we've also then created something that they're going to wear and be comfortable. That's a daily wearer for them or a dress piece, whatever it may be, but that they're going to, you know, that's their taste instead of sitting in 
a jewelry box collecting dust. Those pieces went to good use, and those those relatives are probably looking down and, and saying, I'm glad you're wearing that now, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of how we separate ourselves with the custom design, and that's not something you really see a lot of out there in terms of being able to sit down with the jeweler and actually be a part of that process. Yeah. And so it allows, yeah, if, if you, somebody wants something, a different color, a different width, a different height, a different measurement, you know, different stones and really make it so that we can hand that piece to somebody and they will never see another one. This is the only one of these. And so once we're done with those files, when we create them in the store, we then have a company that 3D prints them for us and then casts it and then we set the stones. And so it's uh, it's a nice process to go through, but people leave our store with printouts of what these pieces are going to look like and they have a, a real idea. It's not like a little pencil sketch that you're like, okay, well, Go ahead and make that expensive piece of jewelry for me. They've, they've got a very realistic idea. Uh, and then we can actually take it to the next level beyond that. And after we're done with the file, after it goes to 3D print, we can actually show that 3D print to a customer and say, here's what the piece will look like. And they can either, you know, they may say, wow, it's perfect. Go ahead. Or I really like it, but I want to change this about it. And so we can then, before we've cast it in a precious metal, we can then go back, change it, re-3D print it, and which isn't a big deal, and make another one. So there's no mistakes. Somebody right. at the end, I mean, obviously there's mistakes in the world, but generally speaking, somebody has a very good feeling for what something's going to look like before they get it. So That's really cool. Even just going through the process of desi- help designing it themselves and walking through the process of to see it and then the 3D, that's awesome. Uh, I've, yeah. I've been coming across that. Pretty you know, cool. On a jewelry experience, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just don't stop by with your wife. That's all. <laughs> if you come by, <laughs> yeah, I'll leave her at the house. I'll... No, I'll leave her at the house. Go get some ice cream and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be leaving there with some empty pockets if she came with. Right, me. but it is fun, and people people get a kick out of it. You know, for them to see a piece come to life, and all of a sudden we're able to implement their stone. You know, here's and we can even put it on a hand on the screen. Show them what things are going to look like on a hand or on a neck. It's, it's cool stuff. Yeah, technology is amazing. Really yeah, that's is. really cool. Let's go back to the the man-made diamonds that you were talking mm-hmm. about. What what is the term of that again? I've never heard of it before. Or the so they're 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 term that the FTC has regulated them about saying is that they are laboratory grown or lab grown diamonds. Okay. So these are these are stones that uh, basically start off with a little bit of a little tiny natural diamond seed and then uh with these hydraulic presses carbon and temperature they are able to bring them and grow a crystal of man-made diamond and then from there cut the stones like they would any other diamond because they're able to grow them the the cost factor uh is way way down it uses a lot less energy than mining uh in a in a landmine or an alluvial mine which is a water-based mine takes a lot less gas takes a lot less effort yeah. by human and machine and there's people that aren't okay with it that is say i really don't have an interest in it i really want the real thing when i ask my friends about it my response from the wives or, or girlfriends is generally pretty accepting of it and not really caring a whole lot some of them really for the engagement ring still want that natural stone but they say for you know diamond studs or tennis bracelets or whatever it may be they they really don't care as long as it's diamond and it's yeah. pretty and that's really what they want. It's not necessarily the fact that it comes out of the ground. So wow. it's, uh, and then when you tell people it's 40 or 50% less in price, 
it's pretty amazing. I mean, let's say a customer wants to buy a pair of one carat diamond studs, which is about a half a carat in each year. A normal natural pair may be $3,000 or $4,000, depending on the, the quality of the stones. Whereas, you know, in lab grown, it's $1,500 to $2,000. And those $1,500 to $2,000 stones are higher quality than the natural stones at three to four thousand. So you put them in front of someone, and it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah. So it, it's presented a whole new world in the jewelry industry, some of which people aren't in favor of because they feel it may bring down the price of natural stones. But that's probably not a bad thing because they're they're probably too expensive to begin with anyway. So yeah. So and, like, <laughs> no, that's what happens. That's what happens in the world. Some something something newer comes out to shake up the industry standard of something that's been around for such a long time, it, it knocks down yeah. the price a little bit, but that's just, you know, that's just natural competition, I guess. But yeah, you yeah. had, you had me, you had my head tilt when you said 40 to 50%. I said, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah I would definitely next time we're in Hudson, I mean, come by and just would love Please. You know, just to see what they look like. And like you sure. said, you can't even tell them apart. And it's interesting to note that, you know, women, I get the engagement thing. I get the engagement yep. ring. You don't want I it. Do too. I get that. But after that, uh, it's interesting to see how majority of them are pretty accepting over. over totally. It. Totally. And, um, you know, I didn't know it was really going to be that way. I, I mean, I, I went to school for gemology at a school called GIA. And, you know, if you said lab grown to a gemologist, like, oh, I don't really have any interest in that. It's, um, I like the man-made stuff. I like the things that come out of the ground that, yeah. you know, are incredible. But I think over the years, I got more and more accepting of it just because at the end of the day, it's really about pleasing the customer. It's not about our egos and needing to sell the best of the best. These diamonds are perfectly beautiful. They give a wonderful value. And for, let's say, the 25-year-old guy coming in here, a 20-year-old guy that wants to buy a ring or a little piece of diamond jewelry, it gives him the ability to do that in a market, in the natural market, where he wouldn't otherwise be able to do it. You know, he couldn't afford it. And so that's kind of nice too, you know, and and being able to supply people with a a value, a true value. And what I say to people is they are a wonderful value, but they're not necessarily a great investment. Okay. Because there's not a lot of secondary value to them. There isn't a market for them outside of the primary market that says, okay, well, lab grown diamonds are worth X if they go out and, you know, to the market. It's one of those things that, however, is a great value based upon the fact that there's so much less than natural diamonds. If they were 20% less, it would be one thing, but you're talking half the amount and that's, that's a game changer, you know, yeah. it really. Is. No, and that's um, a good point. Secondary market, there really isn't one, but that's why, that's also why you're getting the 40 to 50% off upfront. Yeah, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, you need to market to your clientele and ultimately it's a win-win right there you're giving them all of the options and they're ultimately choosing what it is that they want to do so it's a win-win for you it's a win-win for the for the customers so and And the millennials too you know the millennials they really don't care yeah you know uh they're actually happier about the fact that it's it's not man-made that it doesn't possibly i mean these things don't really occur in the united states as much anymore but like the whole blood diamond thing yeah. You know, and, and the fact that they know this came out of a factory, let's say, in Los Angeles versus Zimbabwe, where it could have been connected to possible somebody, the, the, all the terrible things that happened back then, yeah. you know, with blood diamonds. And that's uh, not really anything that happens anymore with stones that hit the American market, but it's still in people's minds and they're very accepting of the lab grown stones. So it's uh, 
yeah, it's definitely something we're getting more and more involved in, but also still keeping all the natural stuff as well. And we have both. So yeah, no, that, yeah. that's awesome. I guess. So you've been in the jewelry industry for how long now? A long time. Uh, this is my 25th year. 25th year. So yeah. has the industry changed? And I'm imagining the answer is yes. Has the industry changed much and how has it changed since you first started to now? So the industry's gotten a lot smaller. The, the jewelry industry is an industry, unfortunately, where the small mom and pops are closing up fairly rapidly, you know, and I think it's similar to, to other businesses where the big box stores are affecting things. Uh, the online thing certainly affects the jewelry business. It makes up about 8 to 10% uh, of what is sold out there. Now, you can look at that as a large figure or a small figure. I look at it as a small figure that there's still 90 to 92% of people that still want to walk into a brick and mortar store yeah. and, and shop. And, and jewelry for people outside the millennial you know, generation and even my generation, there are so many guys who are comfortable going on and dropping five to $10,000, let's say, on a diamond engagement ring and having not even seen it in person. We try and solidify the fact that if you come in here, it's going to be an experience for you. Mm. You're still going to buy it well. And, you know, you're going to have a selection of different things that we're going to put in front of you as opposed to something on a computer screen. But it's a different world today. So the jewelry business has changed a lot. There are fewer and fewer stores. However, in my opinion and, and that of many people in the business, the cream of the crop kind of rise to the top. The people who are willing to change with the times, accept that social media is a, is a huge part of what we all do now change the product, be okay with something like lab-grown diamonds. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of jewelers out there, my colleagues, who would say, I'll never carry them ever in my store. That, I think, is more of an ego issue rather than, you know, rather than a fact that, yeah, and that's what it's really about is the fact that you just want to have natural and, and only the best of the best in your store. I really want to be able to have anybody walk in here, whether it's a 17-year-old kid trying to buy something for his girlfriend or you know, an 80 year old celebrating 60th anniversary yeah. and have something here from $15 to $50,000 right. and everything in between. And so it isn't just about the high end. It's about also the lower end and, and making sure that you have things, you know, the couple walking up and down the street Friday night that I can have a $50 pair of earrings that they leave here. She's just totally excited because she's got something new and nice. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something real expensive. And, and so we, we want this to kind of be a, a store for everyone um, that people can come into any walk of life. We're very much uh, supportive of the LGBTQ community and, and making it so that any couple can walk in here and feel comfortable uh, and shop here. And, you know, it's amazing, unfortunately, how many times we, we experience same-sex couples that come in here and say we weren't treated very well, oh. you know, in different places that we've been. And, and it's sad you know, when we see that. And so we really want anybody to be able to walk in here and feel comfortable and enjoy shopping here and, uh, and then be customers for life. And that's really what it comes down to. And it's like having a good doctor or a good dentist or somebody that cuts your hair for a long time. It's, yeah. it's that person you can walk into and just know that you're going to get a certain level of, of treatment and, and, uh, and product. So, yeah. Um, and I yeah. can relate to that too. I think a lot of people think of the word sales in a negative way. And you think you initially, I don't know. I think there's a bad correlation to the word sales. Like at the end of the day, sales are really relationship businesses. You know, mm -hmm. you create an experience for people. And that's that 
that's why you guys are still around. You have something for everybody and you really care about the experience and you don't let the ego get in the way. You know, the world changes as time goes on just naturally and you can't do anything about it. it you know, something that was good in the 50s, 1950s, that was 70 years ago. That's a long yeah. time ago now. It's just the world has just changed. It's just evolved for better or for worse. It's, that's the way things are. And you either sure. need to adapt to it or you're probably going to get bit in the end. Um, yeah. and it's, just, it's just the way it is. So at the end of the day, it's business decisions and being able to create that experience and form these relationships with people. I do. I have a, my cousin, granted, she's family, but she cuts my yeah. hair. She cut yeah. my hair once. Like, God, I think it was like three years ago. And, yeah. and it's not convenient for me. She's a decent driver uh-huh. to get my hair cut. Yeah. She's the one that's going to cut my hair. I refuse to have my wife even cut it when COVID happened. You know, I went like 13 weeks without a haircut. It killed me, but I could not wait to see Jackie when I got back because I Uh was great. And that's, that's what it is. You know, people think of sales. I think sales are really relationship oriented businesses and that's really what they are. And that's ultimately, you know, what you guys are doing over at Right Jewelers. It is. And, uh, you know, I think it, it helps that there has been a jewelry store here for so long too. You know, I think if, my wife and I had opened up a, a store out of the clear blue anywhere. I think we'd probably be having a tougher time. This, there's always been a store here, you know, since 1954. So it's like, I think it's got that place in this community. And then we're just kind of elevating it to modern times. It's changing with the times, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you guys um, kind of have the best of both worlds. It's been there for such a long time that it's a known place to go to. And now you're, yep. you know, you're adjusting and pivoting more towards modern times. You have exactly. a little bit of everything. So, you know, you've been in the business for 25 years. Is there a common myth or misconception about the jewelry business out there at all? You know, I think there's stores probably that speak to the the myths of the connotations of being like a used car type of place that you walk in and you get pressured because it's a commission-based salesperson. And there are those stores out there. Yeah. Uh, there are the jewelry stores that they're snobby and the nose is up and unless you're wearing a certain outfit or you drive up in a certain car that you're not going to be treated the same. Those things do exist because we hear about them and I've seen those things before. So I think those myths are out there. Obviously we want to debunk those in our store as much as humanly possible. And I think we do, you know, it's when we did a facelift here, we didn't want to change it to the point where it was so much that people came in and were uncomfortable at all. Yeah. We, we put in a seating area and a coffee bar, you know, and people wow. can come in and get a bottle of water and sit down and, uh, it isn't just about you standing up at a showcase. It's, it's you know, come in, hang out. Even if you're not buying something, come in and just say hi. We love to have kids in here. We even give them like little blow pop, uh, a little ring pop, uh, uh, lollipops uh, that they can put on and, and enjoy while they're here. So it's, um like I said, it, it, it comes down to the experience, people coming in here and enjoying themselves and, and leaving here with our blue bag and feeling like they got the right piece for them. Yeah. Uh, it's something that's going to be enjoyed for a long time. As far as other myths or anything about the jewelry business, I can't say that there's a whole lot of them. In general, I think it's a business that people, it isn't certainly not a necessity. Um, so it's certainly one of those things you don't need to buy. But I think people like to treat themselves once in a while. And, yeah. you know, whether it's the self-purchase, you know, we have women that come in here or men and will make a little self-purchase for themselves because they deserve it or they yeah. got a promotion at work or they, you know, they're doing well or uh, whatever it may be. And then obviously gifting is, is huge with jewelry. So, and not, a you know, we don't certainly hit the nail on the head every time. We, we certainly have a piece come back once in a while and they want to pick out something else. But 
that's the nature of this world. There's so many available options now in everything that we all do that you can't always have everything for everybody, but we try. Right. No, that's fair. And I think the car salesman analogy is a good one because I I get uneasy walking into a car dealership. I hate I hate car salesmen because they, they do they attack you as soon as you walk in. And I think that is what happens with you know some of the you know big named companies across you know across the United States. That's why I think that's why that's what's different between a company like yours that's been around for a while. You guys are just. You're just good people helping people out and you, just, you genuinely want to create a good experience for them. And it's yep. not the experience you get when you go to, you know, some big name, some company, obviously we can't name names, but agreed. yeah, um, totally agreed. And, uh, and that's, and there's less and less of that in this world, you know? So I think yeah. it's nice when you have, whether it be restaurants or breweries or, you know, whatever different types of other businesses that are hands-on with people that it kind of brings it back to a smaller world. Yeah. And not such a big world. Yeah. You know, that we we take things down a notch a little bit and slow down. Yep. And um, you know, just appreciate, you know, somebody's business and the fact that, you know, if you make a purchase here, it's gonna go towards my daughter, you know, going to cheerleading or something. Right. It's not going <laughs> towards, you know, a CEO's mansion on one of Pisaki. Right. You know, um, so it's you know, it's it's a different it's a different type of atmosphere. And I think that's a lot of what Hudson also shares. You know, and, and there's plenty of other good communities, but Hudson has a very, very strong downtown that has been revitalized. Uh, and it really started with the Rail Trail Flatbread Company coming in and then the Medusa Brewery. And, yep. you know, it, it was one after another that kind of happened around here. And now downtown is, is hopping. I mean, that, that month that we were open, the amount of street traffic that was up and down this street, they did a census and a couple of years ago, because of this rotary project that was happening in 26,000 cars a day go up and down main street. Wow. Um, so it is a busy, busy little town that uh, more and more people are, are moving to because you can still somewhat afford a house out here. And yeah. even Hudson's getting more expensive. So people even going a little, even a little further West, but property in Massachusetts, Eastern Massachusetts, is so expensive. Also these suburbs are, you know, a lot of good families, younger families are, are moving out here. Uh, which is in turn is making the school district stronger. And uh, so there's a lot of good that's happening uh, in, in this area. Uh, yeah. There's many other towns that have called Hudson to kind of figure out how they did what they did. I moved here about 15 years ago and about 40 or 50% of the doors were shuttered in this town. And, you know, the jewelry store was here, a couple of restaurants and a few other, you know, shops. And that was really about it. Most doorways were empty or at least half. And so, yeah, it's really nice to see years later, this town totally revitalized and, uh, and more and more businesses coming in and, uh, and restaurants. And, and now it's a, a town where, you know, couples from Sudbury and Framingham and Bolton and Stowe are, are coming out here for a nice night out because there's really no other spot quite like it right in this general area anyway, without going into Boston or Worcester or something like that. So, yeah. 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 My wife and I were walking around the downtown area and it was nice. There was a lot of little cool shops going on. Yep. We really enjoyed the night. We'd never been to that area and um, yeah. we made a night out of it. It was, it was a good time. Awesome. So you've been in this business for 25 years, you know, your wife, Jenna, you two run the company together. What's the future look like for you two and, you know, the right jewelry and design company? Do you guys ever plan to actually retire? Uh, you know, I ask this because I get bored, you know, like I, maybe not working full time, but, you know, if you love what you do, it's, it's hard to actually just completely shut everything down. Do you guys plan on? 
being here for a very long time going into the future? Uh, I would definitely say yes. You know, do I want to retire at some point? Yes, absolutely. Because, yeah, you know, uh, I'd love to go fishing and, and golf and, and have some fun in life and travel. Uh, however, you know, at this point, it's it's about working and making this happen. You know, we have a family and, and all that good stuff. So it's definitely a, a long-term thing for us. You know, the company could grow at some point. I'm not against opening another store if we found the right opportunity or place somewhere. Yeah. Uh, this company could definitely grow because I believe in the concept of what we do and not making it, you know, a, a hoity-toity, crystally chandelier jewelry store, but more of an old school jeweler who, yep, it, it's a nice store to walk into and pleasing to look at, but we're not paying for thousands and thousands of dollars in overhead based on pretty things that are around you. So we have the right product. We are pairing that with technology of today. And so, yeah, long-term, very much going to be here. As far as retirement someday, I can't even fathom what that looks like. We bought the store from the dinner family. And so the the couple that we bought it from was third generation. Um, so it was actually his grandfather that bought the store back in 1928. Great. And then his father moved the store here in 1949. Uh, and then he ran the store for the past 40, 50 years with his wife. And so there's a lot of history there. And for them to be able to retire, I kind of watched... You know, because it was a it was a transition for for us to acquire the store, and and they needed to be ready to retire, and that takes a lot. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot to accept that. Um, it takes a lot, obviously, financially to be ready to do that, but also just in terms of lifestyle change. You know, you're you're going from a something that you're invested in every single day. You're thinking of twenty four seven, and how am I going to pay this, and how are we going to grow, and how are we going to market? Okay, how are we going to get taxes done? And there's so much that goes into all of it that I could see that being a relief someday. And I could also see it be like, oh, I'm bored as hell now. What am I, you know, what am I doing? So definitely it is something I can do long term. I'm certainly not building brick walls here. Um, So it's a pleasant business. And and generally speaking, it's a very happy business. You know, the only times that are kind of sad is we do a lot of appraisal work as well. So we'll We'll appraise people's, you know, things for insurance purposes. Uh, we'll do things like estate settlements or divorce settlements. So those are the only times that it gets a little tough is the estate and, and divorce settlement appraisal work, just because you're dealing obviously with either death or, or divorce, which nobody likes to go through. So, but in general, everything's happy and uh, we really enjoy coming into work every day because uh, every day presents something new and different and we get to meet new people all the time too, which is great. So yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you guys are definitely a part of a lot of good, a lot of good memories in people's lives. You know, last question before I let you go. Um, sure. I, ask every, I ask everybody this question. You know, everybody has a varying depiction of success. And the more I've done this, I think when I initially thought to ask this question, I think naturally, I just went to a monetary number, you know, something monetary to define success. And I think 2020 it's obviously probably an anomaly, but it's definitely changed the perspective for a lot of people. So how do you and Jenna define success, either in overall or maybe just 2020? It's a great question. And I think it's a question that I've thought about since I was a kid. You know, I, I was raised with the belief that success isn't necessarily about monetary status, but just an overwhel- overwhelming feeling of being comfortable and secure and happy. Um, so for me, success is running the store, being a small part of people's lives, certainly running a successful store that is profitable, 
us as a family being, you know, financially secure going forward, but moreover, just being happy with what we do every day, just feeling like we, we make a difference in people's lives, that we play a little part in it, and that we run a good ethical company that, you know, is, is part of the future of this town and anywhere we may grow to in the future. It is not monetary success. It, it really has to do with putting your head down on the pillow at night and saying, I'm comfortable with who I am. Yeah. I'm happy with where my business is. You know, my kids are healthy. My Everything is in a good place. And I think that for me is is what success really comes down to. I guess the, that's how I would answer that question. It's a hell of an answer. <laughs> no, seriously, that's a great answer. It's a, that's a good way to, to end it. As we said earlier, Justin and his wife, Jenna, they're the owners of the Right Jewelry and Design Company. You're right on Main Street in Hudson. So if you need anything for your spouse, your children, yourself, Go spoil yourself. Check it out. I will share all the social media links when we post this. And thanks, man. It's been a pleasure, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we were introduced uh, just the just Thank a week you. or two ago. Uh, so this is great. This was great yes. having you on. All right, man. Well, thanks again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a great day. You too. Hey, everyone. I just want to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive, and I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Metro West area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bbmwpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed the episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash BBMW podcast, as well as Instagram with the handle at BBMW underscore podcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for the show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8 a.m. Take care.